I'm Dr. Tracy Hogan. As a licensed counselor, it's been my privilege to help people climb the ladder of happiness for more than 25 years. How does this podcast shine new light on your problems? I'll help you find that sweet spot between the best of psychology and the best of spirituality. Are you ready? Let's climb this happiness ladder. Can anyone scientifically prove that having a relationship with God will make us happier? Well, maybe yes. After a lifetime of research, Dr. Lisa Miller, PhD, has produced brain scans of people who classify themselves as highly spiritual. Her studies indicate that we could be happier by awakening our brain. Rich Roll said of Dr. Lisa Miller, all humans are equipped with this innate capacity for spirituality. Dr. Miller's neuroscience actually proves that cultivating spirituality, the awakened brain, leads to things like greater grit, greater optimism, greater resilience, and conversely insulates us against things like addiction, trauma, and depression. One of the beauties of Dr. Miller's research is that she proved the awakened brain is available to everyone, no matter their religious affiliation or lack thereof. Dr. Miller is a professor of psychology and spirituality at Columbia University and has an appointment in the medical school's department of psychiatry. She's also a New York Times bestselling author. Today, we'll be discussing her book published in 2021, The Awakened Brain, The New Science of Spirituality and Our Quest for an Inspired Life. It all started when Lisa Miller was a grad student working in a psychiatric hospital in upstate New York. The catchment area for this hospital included a lot of Jewish people. One of her duties was facilitating group therapy. This means bipolar, schizophrenia, and deep depression. When I worked in a psych hospital, I used to call them frequent flyers. It seemed like they'd stabilize, get released, go home, but then they'd fall apart and be back a few months later. These patients tried psychotropic medications, they'd tried therapy, and they had tried group therapy for many years. They were just so depressed, anxious, hopeless. They weren't healing and getting better. During one group session, the Jewish patients had asked for a rabbi to come in for Yom Kippur. That's one of the holiest days in Judaism. The hospital wasn't planning to arrange for a rabbi, so Lisa, a practicing Jew, asked for permission to lead a group, and she brought her prayer book, and she was astonished at what she saw. The psychiatric patients had obtained nice clothing. They didn't look depressed or psychotic. She'd seen them lying in bed, trapped in a state of despair and futility. But during the service, appearances of mental illness vanished and they spoke intelligently and compassionately. One person said, How can you not believe in an all-powerful God of goodness when you look around and see the beauty of the universe? Another man had a habit of barricading himself in a hotel room because he was so afraid of people. When Lisa expressed her concern about something she'd said and done, he said, Lisa, God will forgive you. God always forgives everyone. She was astounded at the change. 
What was it about spirituality that helps people function so much better? Like the rest of us in the field of psychology, she was trained that spirituality is off limits in our profession. Our culture has this very damaging assumption that science and spirituality can never mix. Scientists have always seen spirituality as a crutch or a cultural artifact. Because of this, in the recent training, I was told to leave my spiritual beliefs at the door. Don't bring them into the counseling session. That's even if the people are asking for some type of spiritual guidance. Dr. Miller believes that we've been educated out of our spiritual awareness. She wondered how to explain what had happened in the psychiatric hospital on Yom Kippur. The patients had accessed their spiritual side and they were so changed. What is it about spirituality that can help people with serious mental illness to function better? Is there a scientific connection between spirituality and healing? Dr. Miller went on to publish the results of 100 studies in which she collected 20 years of scientific, clinical, and epidemiological data on the connection between spirituality and healing. She used MRI scans to discover what she called the awakened brain. How did she do this? First, she asked two questions to identify people who were highly spiritual. Number one, How personally important is religion or spirituality to you? Highly important, moderately important, somewhat important, not important. And number two, how frequently do you attend religious service? Once a week or more? At least once a month? Several times a year? Very rarely. With these answers, she could identify highly spiritual people. Then MRI brain scans were done. Her team worked for close to a year, finding the best way to test what is true, collecting data, modeling the findings, running the numbers to find out whether or not spirituality plays a role in preventing or protecting against depression. Let me describe these brain scans. Everywhere there was cortical thickness or neurological growth, the scan showed a red dot. In highly spiritual people, there were so many dots that they converged to create a region of solid red. Think of that solid red area like a larger, more developed muscle. And their findings? Here's page 149 of The Awakened Brain. The subjects for whom spirituality and religion were highly important had a healthier neural structure than those who, for whom spirituality and religion held medium, low, or no importance. In other words, highly spiritual people have healthier brains, more brain muscle. Those who chose to exercise their brains in spiritual ways benefit most like people who choose to work out and build muscle before a five-mile hike. The scan showed that everyone has the capacity to build brain muscle, just as everyone has the capacity to build body muscle. Dr. Miller had an interesting life. At the same time she was researching the connection between spirituality and depression, she was experiencing her own depression. After many years in New York City, Dr. Miller and her husband decided to move to the countryside in Connecticut and start a family. But 
you may know that after you've tried to get pregnant for a year and you haven't been successful, you're considered infertile. So the Millers started in vitro fertilization or IVF. And you know, as soon as you want to get pregnant and you focus on it, it seems like your friends and family conceive easily and you feel like a failure. Friends were announcing second and third pregnancies. There were children and babies everywhere. It was an emptiness that can just haunt you. There was round after round of medical appointments. The IVF specialist said he had no idea why she wasn't conceiving. So many worries. Women often guilt themselves about taking the pill for so many years. They think they've done something wrong. They think they must not be healthy enough to conceive a baby. But wait, then they remember, oh, I'm not supposed to worry. I'm not supposed to be anxious. It hurts my chance to get pregnant. I've got to be calm. Guilt, guilt, shame, shame. Women on IVF are on a roller coaster. In the second two weeks of the month, they might think, Oh, I might be pregnant. I can imagine telling my husband, our prayers are answered. It's the best news ever. Then comes the disappointment. They may feel silly for having their hopes up so high, having another painful period and low hormones. In this situation, they can get hyper-focused on babies, and it's all they think about. It's no surprise that IVF causes the same levels of anxiety and depression in women as cancer and HIV. When the Millers tried artificial insemination and conceived, Lisa was so excited, and her husband was beyond excited. But after a few months, the baby's heart stopped beating Her husband was so upset, he just curled up in a ball and wept. She held him and tried to comfort him. While she suffered her own trial and depression, Dr. Miller was researching depression in highly spiritual people. One of her findings was that spiritual awareness doesn't buffer against ever facing suffering. Suffering pulls spiritual awareness forward building the spiritual core that prepares us for the next time we face suffering. Grappling with moments of pain and emptiness actually catalyzes spiritual formation in some way. Dr. Miller discovered in her own life drama and in her study subjects, it's not that spiritually awakened people don't have problems. They have depression, loss, and pain. But spiritually awakened people who are praying and serving and studying in their efforts to know God seem to be building core spiritual muscles. When they face trials and suffering, they have the strength to work on those problems, and working on problems made them even stronger. At first, Dr. Miller found it difficult to get her studies published. The world was just not ready for what she had to say. But then she had breakthroughs. Instead of discrediting her research, the peer review committees made suggestions. Dr. Miller's science was starting to change our culture's most destructive hypothesis. That is, because you can't touch, quantify, or measure spirituality, it doesn't exist. Back to the struggle of trying to get pregnant, the Millers were watching an ad on TV about orphans in Russia, and they felt inspired to adopt. But then a strange thing happened. In the dark of the night... Dr. Miller felt a presence in her room. She felt the words, If you were pregnant, would you adopt? And she said without thinking, Oh no. A short time later, her cousin convinced her to join a healing circle. 
They were Lakota Indians in South Dakota. There were several days of classes in which Lisa Miller and her cousin were the only non-Native Americans. The classes led up to the sweat lodge experience, and that was where the Lakota Indian women would pray for miracles and spiritual rebirth, and Lisa's problem. As they went around the circle in the sweat lodge, each woman shared her own suffering and need for healing. It was such a profound experience that Dr. Miller, who for 22 years was a professor in the clinical psychology program of Columbia University, where she founded and directed the Spirituality Mind Body Institute, who is co-founder and editor of the APA Journal on Spirituality and Clinical Practice, and editor of the Oxford Handbook of Psychology and Spirituality, definitely a person who writes and speaks for a living in that circle of Native American Indians, she could not speak. Finally, her cousin had to speak for her. She said, Lisa has come searching for her child. Can we help her find her child? The women then recited a prayer in Lakota, for Lisa Miller. The next morning, as she entered her rental car to leave, she received a call about a baby boy who had been located in an orphanage in St. Petersburg. Weeks later, they received a video of a six-month-old baby cooing, Dada! She fell madly in love. But again that night, she felt a presence in her room. It said, If you were pregnant, would you still adopt? And this time she said yes. And that night, after five years of trying, she and her husband, without any doctors or medicines, conceived a healthy baby girl. Their son is 15 months older than his sister. End of story. Now for the analysis. What is the best of psychology and the best of spirituality in this experience? Dr. Miller would rate herself as highly spiritual. As a practicing Jew, she prayed for five years for a baby. No results. Then the Lakota women in the sweat lodge combined their faith and prayers with Lisa's faith and prayers, and they had their miracle. Luke 147 says, Nothing is impossible with God. Dr. Miller didn't just study the awakened brain. Through her trials and tears and trying to have a baby, she experienced the awakened brain. She had faith in God. Her awakened brain made life easier, happier, and gave her power. Russell M. Nelson, the current prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said, As you let God prevail in your life, I promise you greater peace, confidence, joy. End quote. If we let God prevail in our lives, we develop a relationship with Him that awakens our brains and helps us reach our full potential. Dr. Miller is an example of letting God and science prevail in her life. Wikipedia calls Dr. Miller a research-based catalytic hub for seeding a more spiritual society. Another reason Lisa Miller, PhD, is the best of psychology is that her research methods are valid. She is a consummate scientist. She uses the most widely accepted scientific rules. Ezra Taft Benson, a prophet of the past in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said, Men and women who turn their lives over to God will discover that He can make a lot more out of their lives than they can. He will deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, 
lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, raise up friends, and pour out peace. The purpose of these podcasts is to entice you to do more to awaken your brain. Why? People with awakened brains are happier. So, while you were listening today, did you get an idea of something you could do to build your relationship with God? Don't let that prompting get away. God gave us smartphones for a reason. If you know someone who would enjoy learning about how developing a relationship with God awakens our brains and leads to more happiness, if you know someone like that, please press that share button. Until next time, live like His Son, help others on their way.